0: plan there's God's plan a and there is no plan b but as our resources grow that ability to retain contentment actually is challenged so but when we have more the temptation is to always want just a little bit more and as our, our wealth grows our ability to depend on God is often challenged in different ways
1: Welcome to the Generosity Now podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories of generosity and whole life stewardship. Our goal is to showcase individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our communities and across the world. I'm your host, Eric Mose, president of the National Christian Foundation, Rocky Mountain Region, and I'm joined by my incredible co-host, Lori Bossert, VP in our office. And today we have a special guest, Rachel McDonough, who's coming to us from the Twin Cities area. Rachel, how are you today?
0: I'm good.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: We're so glad to have you. We're going to get in and and have a great conversation. And so, Lori, hey, how about you kick us off?
2: We'd just like to start out by you telling us a little bit about your life, your family, growing up, because I know that there's a unique story there, and most importantly, about your own journey of generosity, how it got started, and how it's grown. Well,
0: thanks, Lori. I grew up as a missionary kid to Kenya, so... I really was, I think my first experience with generosity was really being on the receiving end of it in that my family did fundraising in order to support their missions work in Kenya. And then when we arrived in Kenya, after being the ones kind of in the U.S. asking for money, I remember having Kenyan kids come up to me asking me for money. And so it really awakened in my my awareness, I guess, in my consciousness, this understanding that wealth is relative, And that while we were on government subsidized lunch in the US uh, and receiving uh, below poverty level income as a missionary family, when we were in Kenya, just showing up as a person with white skin, pretty much automatically meant that you were one of the wealthy people. And so I remember having this moment looking into the eyes of the, the street kids in Nairobi where they're holding out their hands, asking me for shillings, shillings. And I had some money in my pocket and I thought, wow, I don't have a job, here I was 10 years old, I didn't have a job, and yet I did have some resources in my my pocket, and I had the decision of whether I would keep them and use them for myself or give them away. And so that really catalyzed for me, I couldn't have articulated it at that time, of course, but it really catalyzed for me a lifelong pursuit of understanding what is our responsibility and our opportunity being the one who's holding the resources.
2: And Rachel, I had the privilege of reading a book that you wrote that really gave me a deep understanding of how much you have processed this topic. Your book, True Treasure, unpacks a lot of, I think, how you processed this. And there was a real key part in there that I'd love for you to share with our listeners um, about what contentment to you means and what generosity means. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, contentment. Wow, contentment is such a
0: huge topic. I feel like we could spend our entire lives mm. still <laughs> learning and growing in that one topic. Same as generosity, really. But I think we have to come to a place of contentment first and a contentment that's not dependent upon our circumstances, but really an internal acknowledgement of God as provider and uh, a willingness to put our lives in his hands and truly depend on him. And, of course, the more wealth we have, the more difficult that becomes. So, in a sense, it's really easier to trust God when you don't have any other options and to be content in him and and know that he's your only only plan. There's God's plan A and there is no plan B. Mm -hmm. But as our resources grow, that ability to retain contentment actually is challenged. So, when we have more, the temptation is to always want just a little bit more. Mm And as our our wealth grows, our ability to depend on God is often challenged in different ways. Laura, you talked about the book referencing both contentment and generosity. I believe contentment has to come first. And if we're still wrestling internally with discontentment and always needing a little bit more, it's going to be impossible for us to really live a generous life. Mm,
1: No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Well, Rachel, your um, your time in uh, in Africa was really formative for you, but um, you're you're not you're not coming to us from Africa today. And so you're 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 in Wisconsin, kind of just over the border from the Twin Cities. Um, What do you find yourself doing today? And like, what was some of that journey from uh, being, you know, showing up in Africa as a little kid to now uh, doing what you're doing today? You're a financial advisor. You have your own firm. And uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on there.
0: Yeah, I would say it was a real unlikely candidate to be a financial advisor growing up as a missionary kid. Obviously, there was no family money. And when you become a financial advisor, typically no one hands you a book of clients and says, "Okay, here's your here's your business. So um, I only took that step of faith uh, to become an advisor because I believed God was specifically calling me to it. I knew that God was calling me to be a financial advisor, and I knew that I was always called to be a worship leader. So Mm -hmm. I've always kind of done both. And for a long time, it felt like I had a foot on each side of the drawbridge and that the opportunities and and potential impact were kind of going up on both of those separate categories. And I was feeling really stretched and I was thinking, Lord, what does being a worship leader have to do with being a financial advisor? Mm. And and I was feeling this tension and this pull between these two different callings. And then finally, one day, (laughs) the coin dropped in the slot and I realized It was at a Kingdom Advisors Conference back in 2009 when I first heard about what they were calling at that time biblically responsible investing and how that could really be an act of worship. And it was finally like the coin dropped in the slot and I was realizing for the first time the intersection of worship and stewardship and how our stewardship can be a powerful vehicle of worship as as we manage our resources as unto the Lord. And we do that through the lens of knowing that he already owns it all, and that it's our job as his stewards to think of how would he want the resources to be used? What are his purposes? What things can we do with the resources that would bring glory and pleasure and joy to him? And worship As you probably know, and many of your listeners have probably heard before, worship and service or work are the same Hebrew word. It's really about working as unto the Lord or stewarding as unto the Lord. So my eyes were really opened at this conference to see that the way we invest can either be in alignment with God's values or opposed to his values. And I started thinking deeply for the first time about where the profits were coming from and what types of companies were in the portfolios that I was recommending to clients as their advisor. And I realized that some of those companies were in fact doing the works of the enemy, which is described in John 10 as to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm. And there were other companies in the portfolio that were creating value and blessing humanity through their goods and services. Mm.
1: Mm. Wow. Um, Uh, you're just, um, you're you're unpacking some common misconceptions about investing that I think Christians often get wrong, um, that that I even get wrong, right? We're not thinking uh, clearly enough about what our entire investment portfolio is invested in. And um, and so you've built your practice like you actually left a larger brokerage to actually be able to kind of craft your own um, uh, advisory firm. Is that correct? And and so that way you can infuse these ideas of biblical responsible investing and impact investing and different things into um, the totality of a family's and individual's portfolio. Yeah, that's
0: right. I, I left a corporate practice to launch Wealth Squared, which is a team within the Eversource Wealth Advisory, RIA. And our our real thesis is that, you know, most of us invest more than we give. Mm. Like if we think about when we're stewarding the big, big picture, all the pie, the, the slice of the pie that we have to give away is often a lot smaller for many of us than the part that we feel we need to Uh, continue to retain and invest in order to grow and and have provision for the future. And so it makes no sense, logically, to give generously to Christian causes and missional causes that are aligned with our hearts, but then to retain the lion's share of the wealth and invest it in companies that are really opposed to those same uh, organizational or missional values. So I'm going to use a really specific example just to make this more uh, relatable and more poignant. An investor who gives generously to pro-life causes, let's say, they really are passionate about helping moms through crisis pregnancy, uh, attempting to do whatever's within their power to give generously or volunteer to help save the lives of the unborn, may in fact in their investment portfolio with more dollars then what they're giving may have ownership in companies that are producing and manufacturing patients, or companies mm. that are providing abortion services. And so we don't see that. You know, this isn't a I certainly don't want anyone to feel, you know, judged by by hearing this, but I do want us to be challenged in that if we're really pursuing impact and the goal of our generosity and our volunteerism is pointed at in one direction, but then our portfolio, which with maybe the majority of our assets is pointed in a completely opposite direction and, and furthering, you know, really essentially the campaigns of the master's enemy to kill, steal, and destroy that should create a sense of discomfort and tension within us.
2: Rachel, you've really just caused me to stop and think. And because so often we don't even look at what's in our portfolio in those investments. And the responsible thing to do would be to know those things, to know what we're investing in, to see that part as part of our worship, that stewardship is part of our worship in the same vein. And we we are responsible for all of that. We are responsible for where our investments are made. And we need to step back and take that time and energy. To worship God in that same space of how we are investing.
1: How does one go about really identifying that? Right. Um, you know, in your practice, you have clients and 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 folks. If you're looking for a, for a financial advisor, love for you to reach out to Rachel. Right. But we have people that have uh, financial advisors all across the country. Uh, many of them are faith aligned, but still aren't actually thinking the same way. And so, how can how could I go through my portfolio and really start dissecting these things? Are there any tools out there for that?
0: There are a lot of tools out there for that. Some of them would be you know, more costly subscriptions that advisors like myself would utilize as part of our practice. But inspireinsight.com will give anyone access to, like if you just wanted to go and punch in a ticker symbol of a fund or a stock that you might own personally, just to kind of build some basic awareness. That tool is completely free and anyone can go and just you know, explore a little bit to learn more about what you own. But I want to circle back and and respond to something that Lori mentioned. And she's saying, you know, mostly we don't know. We don't know what's in our portfolio. And I would just want to point out that as I've interacted with investors over the past couple of decades, there are a lot of wonderful clients that I've had the opportunity to connect with people who are really driven by their values, who are generous, who are, you know, taking a, a lower paying job so they can homeschool their kids and have flexibility in raising their kids, like just really making a lot of sacrifices in order to live out their values in powerful ways. And those same people often do not have a lot of passion around investing, right? They're saying, oh, Rachel, take this off of my plate. I just want to delegate this responsibility to you. You tell me how I should invest. And I, of course, am paid to help people invest, and I, I don't mind that responsibility, but I do want to encourage our listeners to be engaged and to know what they own and why. The same people who are passionate about their volunteerism and their generosity, the, the reason they're often not passionate about investing is because we fail to see that investing is in fact relational mm-hmm. in nature. Right. It feels very transactional ever since the invention of the stock market. There's just been an enormous amount of data that's become available. And most of it's focused on risk and return, which funds or which stocks are likely to perform well from a financial standpoint. And very little of that data has been focused on what are the impacts, the non-financial impacts on the underlying customers or employees of a business, or even just the way that that business might be interacting with creation around them. And what I would invite us to do today is to recognize and reconnect the dots to say, even if you're a small, 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 tiny percentage owner in a company, you're still owning a company and you can still have a a voice and engage with that company. And um, if you don't have time to do that personally, you can engage the services of an asset manager who can do it on your behalf, but in a way that aligns with your values. So that your voice can be heard and so that you can know that the investment dollars that you put into the market are going towards companies and and you're co-profiting alongside companies who are creating value and who are blessing humanity and who are suiting the earth with wisdom and care and who are caring for the least of these rather than exploiting
1: Mm. Uh, you nice you nicely said that that folks um, delegate their responsibilities. Um, I would say uh, many of us abdicate our responsibilities and uh, need to pick up our uh, uh, pick up the torch and uh, and lean in a little bit better. Um, uh, Rachel, what do you see are some of the biggest challenges facing uh, faith driven investing today, and what do you think are some things that we can do to address that?
0: Well, I think that one of the biggest challenges is really a lack of awareness, which we've already kind of talked about today. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's just hard. It's not transparent. It's hard to know what you own. And for most of us who don't invest professionally, it's hard for us to know what we own and why. But what I see happening is there's just, there's been a movement. I really see it as a a sort of revival Mm -hmm. that God is releasing into the earth and we get to be a part of it and, and get to be a part of what he's doing and co-labor with him in this type of, you know, just learning to care more and get smarter about how we invest. And what I'm really excited about is even just thinking of, I know that NCF has partnered with impact foundation to help investors and donors lean in on investments that can really create positive impact in a more sustainable way sometimes than direct grants. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this, like this ideas of human trafficking and poverty and some of the big issues that are facing us today, those can often be solved more effectively or in partnership with a nonprofit can be really effective to have for-profit companies working on these issues. Mm -hmm. Even if they're generating uh, just a little revenue or some revenue, even if it's not a hundred percent, like the most profitable businesses, There are businesses that are tackling these issues and there are investment funds that are focused on these issues like positive, proactive values types of investing. There is in fact a fund that's targeting human trafficking, a for-profit investment fund that a donor could use donor advised fund dollars to really tackle some of these issues in addition to whatever uh, direct giving that they're doing to nonprofits. And what I would love to see is more demand mm-hmm. from clients donors and investors as there's more demand it will release capital and to create the innovation that's needed in the financial services world and in the philanthropy world so just loving to see i would i would love to see more uh, integration with our values into our investing
2: Rachel that is just so inspiring to me to think that my values need to be in all parts of my life and investing is a, is just a really important piece that we could solve some of the human trafficking issues by our investments into those types of businesses and i'm sure that there's many other examples of those types of businesses solving some of the other poverty alleviation i we know that that's also happening that there's businesses that are helping solve that that are helping, instead of it being a those charitable grants, as you mentioned, it's investing in those organizations that are becoming self-sustaining and helping those people in poverty. Yes, That's, absolutely. So um, I'm going to circle back to how do you define generosity? Um, I think that I read in the book that there's a, and I just would love to hear your your definition and how you unpack that.
0: I think deep inside of us, generosity is part of our nature as image bearers who represent Jesus to the world. We are made in God's image and God is generous. Mm. And we love because he first loved us. And we are generous because we recognize his generosity. When we see the love and the generosity of God and we come to experience that, it unleashes that inherent nature within us to want to be and aspire to be like him and generous in nature. Hmm. And I would just say one other component of that generosity is really courage and risk-taking for the sake of love. Generosity makes absolutely no sense logically if your goal is self-preservation. But it does keep us depending on God as our provider when we hold loosely the resources that he puts into our hands. Hmm.
1: So good, so good. Um, well, you've already given us a lot to think about. Um, but looking ahead, what do you, what do you hope to accomplish in the future and how can others get involved and support even your work, uh, and, and to continue to help push this movement, um, this revival, as you said earlier, uh, ahead. Yeah, well,
0: this is definitely not a, a solicitation, but really what you all can be praying for is just more large investors who care about these issues that can release um, the revenue that can, can create and lead to innovation. Hmm. We want to see not even just like there is, there's a lot of uh, product available that's can produce market rate type of return for those who are just looking for like a more clean conscience alternative to an S and P 500 type of investing. But what's lacking in the, in the marketplace right now today is the ability for most investors, like accredited or qualified purchasers, larger investors, to be able to allocate dollars towards deep impact investments. It's not for every bucket of capital, right? We have our retirement bucket or things that we need for provision for the future. We have our generosity bucket, but there's also for a number of investors, this kind of in-between space where maybe they're not ready to give it away yet but it also is potential access to what needs to be saved for retirement or for the future or for provision for family. And that that potential access bucket where there's not as much need for liquidity and there's not as much need to maximize returns, I would love to see that bucket unleashed for kingdom impact through deep impact investing where even – could be a more concessionary type of investing where we're saying like, let's with this bucket of capital, let's prioritize impact over the income or the profitability. I would also love to see as more investors come into this space, we just know that more investors means the asset managers who are creating products, the advisors who are going to be willing to take risk and step out into this like, like our firm has those those innovations and the the development of this industry will continue as dollars begin to flow into it. So I would just say, I know it's inconvenient to consider shuffling your investments around or possibly having to move from one firm to another or change advisors if your advisor is unwilling to address these issues with you. And um, But maybe they will, you know, like maybe you can talk to your advisor and say, hey, have you heard about This values based or faith driven type of investing. And how can we do that at your firm? And if the advisor has not thought about it before, you know, having their client come to them and ask for it is going to help them to start thinking in a new direction.
1: It's so good. It's actually, uh, the conversation I had with my financial advisor recently, uh, really have loved the work that he's done, but really tried to press in and say, Hey, how do we, how do we convert more to all of our investments into faith-driven, uh, and, and kingdom impacting organizations. And he says, it's actually things he's building towards, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to watch you, though." And so, uh, if you're listening to this, buddy, <laughs> uh, I mean it. And I also even asked, you know, uh, along the same lines, you know, uh, a resource that 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 I, I don't know, uh, Rachel. I'm, I'm just going to ask you some questions to to help me out. Even, um, you know, I feel that I'm also doing a, disserv- a disservice with my my vote. Right? I get proxy votes in all the stinking time, and uh, and I usually just let them go straight into the to the circular filing cabinet. And, um, and because I, I just don't know the, the right decisions to make and, and how to do it. Um, do you, you have any suggestions on these proxy votes and, and things that believers, um, maybe it's a step forward that people listening today could actually start making, um, right now with the companies that they are invested in, that they do own a portion of.
0: Getting knowledgeable on the individual issues that companies are facing is very laborious and challenging, but there is hope. I want to give uh, leave, leave with an encouraging note. Uh, there are already services available. We engage with um, a couple of providers who do active, proactive proxy voting in alignment with kingdom values. And not only proxy voting, but really corporate engagement. Again, I, I mentioned earlier that as a shareholder, you have a voice. It may be a small percentage of the company that you own, but you have a voice. And while our investors typically don't become knowledgeable on all the issues that companies are facing, they do appreciate that behind the scenes, there is advocacy happening mm. where uh, we're, you know, not our team personally, but the some of the service providers that we utilize are advocating with corporations and encouraging them to, you know, in some cases it's it's depoliticized some of the things that they're doing, where they're really taking an aggressive stance on an issue that's not core to their business. Or in some cases it might be, you know, we want them to explore Do they have slave labor in their supply chain? Hmm. Are they addressing kind of what's going on behind the scenes and just having
2: care for the least of
0: these? Hmm.
2: So, so good. Um, We touched on generosity, and I'm going to go back there a little bit. How do you think individuals and businesses can integrate generosity into their everyday practices?
0: Well, can I talk about it in terms of investing again? (laughs)
2: That I've been Actually, really always, you can talk about it in your invest- <laughs> from your investment standpoint.
0: Uh,
2: thanks, Lori. I would
0: love to see. So two of the fund providers that we utilize in our portfolios have a 1% allocation to micro loans that are really just making resources available to literally some of the, the least resourced and most vulnerable populations on earth. These are moms with lots of kids in rural areas in in countries that are not developed economically, and so we think of that as kind of a gleaning principle, like leaving that one percent of the portfolio available for investment in things that are not really market rate of return. I also see generosity in terms of, you know, we we do want to take um, a fiduciary duty of helping our clients invest with risk and return in mind, but I'm deeply blessed and encouraged when I encounter an investor who says, even if it's not the same rate of return, even if there is a concessionary element to this, I would so much rather uh, have a generous heart in my investing to say, let's make sure that the portfolio is aligned with our values and, and working towards human flourishing and the prospering of different people rather than exploitation and even if that means that I accept a lower rate of return I would still much rather I would much prefer that as a complement to my direct giving than I would to maximize my return at all costs.
2: And that's that really whole life stewardship that we've been talking about here on the Generosity Now podcast is that it's not just about making more money but it's, it's doing life with God's values and our values tied together in all aspects. It's our core values, it's all of that. And truly, that's where God brings us the joy. In that space, God brings us the joy and the blessing of knowing that we're following Him and we're championing His people and His values as we walk.
0: Absolutely. I think of it as getting back to the Garden of Eden pre fall. Mm. There was a right relationship with God. There was right relationship between people. And when we take that approach of prioritizing love and making our decisions in love and in generosity, we get back to the pre-fall state. And that is, I believe, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said that they should pray for on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. And I think when we invest and when we give, With that right relatedness, not prioritizing profit over people, but in right relationship with God and with people, that is how we actively participate in the pulling down of heavenly culture and values into the earth so that it can be on earth as it is in heaven.
2: Mm. Which ties back to your worship is all about our whole life worshiping God in harmony his ways. So exactly. Good.
1: So good. Uh, Rachel, you've, you've definitely, uh, challenged me and us today and hopefully been provided some, uh, some, some helpful pointers for folks that are listening and, and, and kind of opening up their mind to even thinking about how are they, uh, investing their entire portfolio um, for God's glory and the joy of many um along that line you've been you've been on this road for quite a while uh in in the financial services um world you also are uh, I, I just have to say you you won the Larry Burkett award for financial planning a couple of years ago and so um really wise great speaker in this we've we've had some fun events that we've been uh, able to share about but would you actually suggest uh, another outside of your book we, we definitely want to direct people to to your book but it's is there another um, resource that you would suggest um, to our listeners to pick up and read or to digest that might even help them in their thinking a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I've got two I can share. Ooh, One good. is a, a collaborative book. I was able to contribute Chapter 7 <laughs> to a collaborative book called Investing in Faith, The Impact of Faith-Based Investing. And uh, we can include a link to that book mm-hmm. as well on Amazon. Uh, and the other thing is the Faith Driven Investor podcast series has been mm. very, uh, very insightful, very well done. And I think it can give us, you know, just help us to open our eyes to what else is out there. Because if, we're, if we've are if we only really been exposed to the 401k menu options <laughs> that we have to choose from, and they're all very conventional and often index-based, uh, Faith Driven Investor has done a great job of just blowing open um what else is out there and what else can we start how can we start thinking differently about how we invest and to have a generous heart in how we invest
1: hmm. So good. So good. We will definitely link to both, uh, both of your books and then also to the FDI, uh, faith driven investor podcast, uh, love Henry. We actually were just talking about that, uh, and, in his book faith driven investing on our last podcast. And so, um, thanks for sharing that. Hey, Rachel, if people want to get to know, uh, you a bit more or has some questions that they've developed, is there a way that p- people can get a hold of you?
0: Of course. Yeah. Okay. Wealthsq.com is my website. So, wealth sq like in wealth squared and then also if you wanted to be added to my list i don't send frequent emails however um, my, one of my goals for this year is to start getting a monthly newsletter put together just to help you know share some information on this topic and my email is rachel@wealthsq.com. at would be i'd be happy to get an email from any of our listeners and add them to that list when it's ready to go
1: Great. Well, thank you so much. Well, it's been uh, great having you on the show today. Um, hopefully we'll actually uh, have you back and we can expand on some more of these conversations in the future. And uh, we're really grateful for your generosity to us and to, to the listeners of the Generosity Now podcast uh, by taking some time and and being here today. So thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thank you. And on the Generosity Now podcast, we do seek to inspire, equip, and connect our listeners for generous kingdom impact and whole life stewardship. Uh, for more information on us, please check us out at ncfgiving.com forward slash Rocky Mountains. You can also send us an email to info at generositynow.org. Please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review and share with your network. It would mean the world to us. And we've got a closing verse that, uh, that, that Lori's going to read for us out of Matthew 16 today.
2: For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? For what shall a man give in return for his soul?
1: Amen and amen.
2: Amen. Thanks, Rachel, for being with us today. We have really enjoyed the time we've gotten to spend with you today.
0: Yeah, me too. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you both.